please uh, turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 18. Continue to go through this uh, great chapter that tells us so much about the kingdom of God and how a person can rightly be confident that they're going to be a part of, of God's kingdom. We're seeing a lot of things this week and over the next few weeks about God's, God's kingdom. As, as you turn there, just a reminder for those of you who uh, may have forgotten or, or don't know, um, this today after church at the farmhouse, our offices, and if you have a bulletin you can find out the address of our office and where it is, we're having a Bethany 101. This is a class for those who uh, may wish to become members of our church or may simply want to find out more about our church. We highly encourage you to come. It's today after church. Uh, I believe noon is, is kind of the target time. I'll be a few minutes late, but the, the farmhouse will be open, and feel free to take anything you like. Um, there'll be some sandwiches, uh, for a little, little uh, light lunch there, and, and just encourage you to, to come. That's this week, and it's next week for Bethany 101. Or if those times don't work for you, on Saturday, the 29th of this month, at 9 o'clock in the morning, we'll be doing a Bethany 101 class as well. And so we'd love to have you, love to have you come and participate in that, find out more about Bethany and, and be able to, to talk and, and ask any questions that you may have as well. Again, today after church at the farmhouse and directions are there in the bulletin. Well, hopefully you're at Luke 18 now, and if you would stand with me in honor of God as we read his word together, if you're able to this morning. We're in Luke 18, verse 15. Luke writes, Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the little children come to me, and, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. You may be seated. May we be encouraged through God's word this morning. Let's pray. And Father, we pray for our hearts that we would receive your kingdom as a child. We pray for our children that we would communicate the good news of your son Jesus to them. Give us wisdom, we pray, Father, in your son Jesus' name. Amen. A few years ago, when I was a family pastor, my dad and I were having a conversation about how to share the gospel with children. And as we had that conversation, we were talking about a, a document that a church had produced on evangelism and, and children. And a, a large portion of the document was dedicated to warning parents about giving their children a false assurance of the relationship with God. A lot of the, the concern was that a person might uh, have a child and the child may, might say some, some nice things about Jesus or they might pray a prayer or they might kind of uh, show an interest in spiritual things. And the, the fear that the document talked about, and, and I think rightly so, the fear would be that a parent would, would take a, a prayer that a child had prayed and say, well, because you've prayed that prayer, then, then you're definitely a Christian. And as a child got older and, and, and maybe questioned whether or not their faith was really in Jesus, sometimes what a parent might do is to say, no, 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 you prayed some prayer, you're, you're okay. And so the document, I believe, rightly called parents to, to very carefully make sure they present the full gospel of Jesus Christ to their children and to children in the church, to, to talk about 
sin and their need for a Savior and the need to place their faith in Jesus Christ as, as a Savior and Lord because of his death and resurrection. So the document, I think, did a really good job uh, talking about the, the need to disciple children and, and calling parents to make sure, and, and children to make sure that the profession of faith was, was genuine. Now, on, on the negative side, I believe that there were some, some problems with the document as it took a very pessimistic tone regarding children. The document was very skeptical that a, that a child could make a genuine profession of faith, it, it seemed. In fact, at one point it said, perhaps most children who make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ at an early age don't really become Christians until their teenage years. And then the document talked about some of the characteristics that children have that make it hard for them to become Christians, to, to genuinely believe in Jesus Christ. And they kind of cited some Bible verses with these characteristics, but they said, Scripture indicates that children tend to be immature, naive, foolish, capricious, inconsistent, and fickle, and unstable, and, uneasily, and, and easily deceived. Children often think they've understood the ramifications of a given commitment when they have not. Their judgment is shallow, and their ability to see the implications of their decisions is very weak. And, and is that true? Well, well, sure. Yeah, children have a hard time understanding the implications of their decision. Yeah, children are immature. They're, they're naive. They're foolish. No offense, kids. Um, but the same is true of, of us, right? <laughs> the same is true of adults a lot of times. And my fear in a statement like this is it makes us too pessimistic concerning children's ability to understand and respond to the gospel. And isn't it interesting that in Scripture we never see God calling children to become more like adults in order to receive the kingdom. He never says, uh, children, uh, to respond rightly in faith to me, become a little more intellectually arrogant. Uh, be a little more confident in your own strength, children. Become a little bit more like adults. Become a little more cynical. <laughs> That's never how it's presented, the gospel is presented to children. In fact, the reverse is true. Adults are told there are things about the way that a child responds to God that need to be true of you as well. You need to be understanding of your weakness. You need to be trusting. You need to understand your need for a Savior and respond in faith rightly. What I want to happen this morning is I want us to see the incredible opportunity that exists for us at Bethany Community Church. I want us to look at Luke chapter 18, verses 15 through 17, and understand that there are some things that are true about children, about their ability to trust, about their ability to be receptive to spiritual things, that provides us with a unique opportunity into a person's life when they're young. And I want us, each of us, as we think about that opportunity that exists, to, to commit to seizing it. To say, I want to emulate my Savior and be passionate about children and the gospel. And I want to commit myself to proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to those who are young. Simply, I want you to commit to bringing children to Jesus.
to letting the little children come. Really optimistically, I want you all to leave here and sign up for nursery and children's church and, and Sunday school and be so jazzed out of your mind about children's ministry you can't contain yourself. We'll start with baby steps, so to speak, though, as, as we begin, giving us a passion for children, a passion to see children respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to first look at the story, and then we're going to look at some principles about how to bring a child to Jesus, how to bring children to Jesus. Let's start off with the story and look at verse 15 with me, if you would. It says they were bringing even infants to him that, that he might touch them. And what we see here is that, that the, the song that we sing is true. Uh, Jesus does love the little children. Red, brown, yellow, black, or white, they are all precious in his sight. Jesus does love the little children of the world. And, and when a child sings, yes, Jesus loves me, uh, that child is proclaiming a theological truth that is absolutely right. Jesus does love children. The people who are in verse 15 understand that Jesus is a person that they want their children to be exposed to. It wasn't uncommon in this culture to bring children to a religious leader, to someone that was respected, and have that religious leader pray for them and lay hands on them and bless them. And as we encounter Jesus in the Gospels, what do we see over and over again? We see Jesus loving and caring for children. He heals a nobleman's son. He heals a, a demon-possessed son, a, a, who is the only son of, of the, that man. He, he heals, uh, heals a, a widow's son who, who's died. He, he brings him back to life. We saw in Luke 9, 48, him, him bring a child and have that child stand right beside him in the midst of all these disciples. And we see that, that child comfortable standing next to Jesus as Jesus envelops him in his arms. Remember when we saw Jesus heal Jairus' daughter? Well, what happens there? He, he holds her hand. He calls her little girl and tells her to arise. And as she arises, what does he do? He says, go get her some food. Jesus loves children. Children are comfortable around Jesus. And here in Luke 18, 15, some parents, and it's not just parents perhaps, it just says people are bringing children to him. It's not even saying their own children. So, so people who love these kids are bringing children, even young, young children, infants, babies, small children, to Jesus that he might lay his hands on them and bless them. Now, what happens? Look at the next part of the verse. Here are these families bringing their kids to Jesus, and, and what does Luke tell us happens? The, the disciples see what's going on, and they rebuke them. They rebuke the people who are bringing their children to Jesus. So, so here's Jesus, and, and the, these people are bringing children to Jesus to have him lay hands on them, and, and the disciples get in the way. They see this taking place, and it doesn't say they say, hey, let's rethink this, or, or hey, this isn't the greatest idea. It says they rebuked them, and, and rebuke is a very strong word. What the disciples are saying is the conduct that you're engaging in as you try to bring your children to Jesus is, is morally wrong. 
Perhaps Jesus is involved in some other ministry. Perhaps he's, he's healing some people. Perhaps he's engaged in these rabbinic dialogues with other rabbis and teachers. Maybe he's, he's helping someone who has these, these, this, this deep problem. And, and the disciples, as they think about Jesus' priorities, they're, they're not saying necessarily um, we think he should like kick children in the face or something. They're just saying, as you look at the priorities, this is morally wrong for Jesus to, to focus his time on these, 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 these kids. There is a, a cultural saying that said something like, a person who sleeps too late, a person who drinks wine, a person who uh, hangs around with the common people, and a person who spends time talking to children will all come to destruction. <laughs> They're all wasting their time, essentially. And so the disciples, as they think about what Jesus should be engaged in, the type of ministry that he should be engaged in, and they think about children, they say, this is, this is so down the priority list that it would be morally wrong for these people to bring their children to Jesus. Now, how do you think that's going to go over with Jesus? <laughs> Look what happens next. Jesus sees this. And in, in Mark, it tells us, Mark tells us that Jesus was indignant. He, he's very deeply upset about what the disciples are doing. And Jesus calls the disciples to him and says, look, 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 look. Two things. One, let the little children come to me. Two, don't hinder them. Kind of a twofold instruction there. Uh, as the children are coming, let them come. And, and don't do anything that would serve as a, a hindrance to them reaching me. The disciples are, are very confused by this. This isn't culturally acceptable. This isn't in line with how their culture thinks. And, and they're, they're like, well, what makes these kids so important? And Jesus says what I believe is one of the most important theological truths in all of Scripture about children. And we're going to spend some time talking about it here for just a moment. He says, why should they let them come? Because to such belongs the kingdom of God. The theological truth there is that to such as children belongs the kingdom of God. Now, now what does that mean? I think the point that Jesus is making, the, the primary point that he's making, is that there are characteristics that children possess that make them uniquely responsive to the, the gospel message of the kingdom. And we're going to talk about those characteristics in just a moment. But let me just, just talk about that phrase, to such as these, to, to, to people like these children belong the, the kingdom of God, to, to young children belong the kingdom of God. Let me, let me talk about that phrase for a moment. A little bit of a sidetrack. Many pastors and, and teachers, as they've come to this phrase, have, have said, well, this is giving us some sort of insight practically into the issue of, of what happens to, to children who died at a very young age. And I think people who say that are, are right to point to this passage as some sort of indication that gives us hope as we think about the souls of, of little ones who leave the earth far, far too early from a human perspective. When I was in high school, I was at a, a youth group, and uh, it wasn't at the church that I normally attend, but uh, there's this pretty girl that attended the youth group uh, named Whitney, and so I thought I'd, I'd go to this this youth group, and we were kind of sitting around and, and talking about some different things, and and uh, the youth pastor, I can't even remember what the youth pastor was talking about, but I asked a question about 
infants who, who die and children who die at young ages. I said, now, what confidence do we have that these children do go to heaven, that they, they're with God, they're, they're with our, our Lord? And, and uh, the pastor kind of said a, said a couple, th- I don't, actually, I think he didn't even have a chance to speak. A, a girl uh, piped up, and, and she was actually the, the daughter of the pastor of the church, and she said, well, my dad says they go to heaven. And if my dad says they go to heaven, they go to heaven. <laughs> that wasn't really all that sufficient for me. You know, like I, I appreciate her fervency and her belief in what her dad said was, was correct, but, but not, it, it wasn't all that uh, convincing at the time. And now that I'm a pastor, it's even less convincing, right? I mean, I, I can say whatever I want. It doesn't make it true. <laughs> what makes something true or not is, is what, I, what I find in God's word, right? Let me share with you a couple things that give me confidence that whenever Jesus says, for to such belongs the kingdom of God, he's also talking about some unique status that I believe children have with God and relationship to his kingdom at a special moment in their lives. One thing that I think is important to note is that, that God takes special ownership over children. Did you know that in Scripture? God takes special ownership over children. Father of the fatherless, the psalmist tells us, is God in his holy habitation. I turn back to the book of, of Ezekiel, if you would. Uh, Ezekiel's after some of the, the big prophets. There's Isaiah, Jeremiah, then Lamentations, then the book of Ezekiel. And in Ezekiel 16, we encounter th- this picture that I think gives us some insight into God's relationship with children. He's talking to Judah, and he's using some some truths about his relationship with the fatherless to to, uh, describe to them their sin. But but I think we find some some important principles there about this issue as well. In verse 4, he's talking to, to Judah, and he says, As for your birth, on the day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling clothes. No eye pitied you to do any of these things to you out of compassion for you, but you were cast out on, an open, on the open field, for you were abhorred on the day that you were born. And so here's these, this, this child that's been born, and he's using Judah as, as a descriptor here, and he says it's like you were this child thrown out in the middle of a field. No compassion. Verse 6, And when I passed by you, and saw you wallowing in your blood, I said to you in your blood, live. I said to you in your blood, live. I made you flourish like a plant of the field, and you grew up and became tall. And and so here's this picture of of God seeing this abandoned child and, and God taking special ownership over this child. God is aware of those who have been abandoned and, and cares for them. And then you go on later in the chapter, and I think you see something that's even more profound. Perhaps you look at those and that, and you say, well, he's just speaking metaphorically. Well, come down to verse 20 of Ezekiel 16. It says, you took your sons and your daughters whom you'd born to me. Isn't that an interesting phrase? whom you, you'd born to me, they're his children. These you sacrificed to them, to these false gods, to be devoured. Verse 21, you slaughtered my children and delivered them up as an offering by fire. And so it's interesting here, as uh, Judah has these children, uh, God calls them his children. God takes, I believe, special ownership over children. He views them as, as his. Another thing that is important to note in Scripture, as we talk about the kingdom of God and, and children, 
God, in a sense, overlooks the sins of young children. If you go to the, the I'll, I'll just read very quickly a, a passage in Deuteronomy. You think about the sins that the people of Israel committed that it caused them to be prevented from being a, a part of the, the um, apart from taking uh, taking part in the promises of God immediately. Verse 39, Moses is relating that, and he says, As for your little ones, who you said would become a prey, and your children, who today have no knowledge of good or evil, they shall go in there, and to them I will give it, and they shall possess it. So these children, whom God says they they have no knowledge of good or evil, they they are exempt from the punishment that the rest of the community of faith faces for their disobedience and unbelief. He's not saying children are innocent. He's not saying children are these, these perfect little angels that, that never sin and have no concept of sin, and, and they're just these, these beautiful, precious little things. He's not naive, but he's saying that a child who's at a young age, who isn't intellectually capable or morally aware, is, is exempt from the punishment that faces the people here. And we see in Romans chapter 1, we, uh, God talks about those who are without excuse because they've been able to see and, and process general revelation. And, and so they're, they're without excuse. They're, they're purposefully sinning. And I don't think you can say the same for a child. In the book of uh, Jonah, Jonah chapter 4, he talks about those who, who have no moral awareness and, and aren't culpable for the things that, that the other people will be culpable for. So, I believe that God shows special care for children. He has special ownership. There's a sense in which the sins of children at a young age are, are overlooked. They're not held culpable for them. And yet, we also see, a third thing we see as we think about children in the kingdom of God, we, we, we see that God's people in Scripture often have confidence in the state of their children after death. Remember David in 2 Samuel 12 talks about going to see his child again after the child has has passed away. So I believe that statement that Jesus makes here, that that to such as these belong the children of God, is a very important theological concept for us to understand. But I believe that the primary point here that Jesus is making is that there are, are aspects of a child, characteristics of a child, that an adult needs to emulate in order to lay hold of the kingdom of God. Okay, so remember where we are in the story. Uh, here are these families, these people who want to bring their children to Jesus, and what's hindering them, there's the disciples that are saying, this is, this is wrong for you to be doing this and wasting Jesus' time. And Jesus says, no, 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 you need to understand that you shouldn't do anything to, to hinder these, these uh, babies from reaching me, these children from reaching me. Uh, let them come to me. Don't hinder them. To such as these belong the kingdom of God. And the disciples are going, what? Uh, we totally don't understand this kingdom thing. Every time we think we understand the kingdom and who's going to be a part of it, he tells us something else crazy. And now he's saying is that the children are going to get it. And he's not done. Listen to what he concludes with. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And now he totally blows their minds because he's saying, not only should you not hinder a child, not only does a child have special standing before God, you, 
adult need to become like a child in order to receive the kingdom of God. If you don't receive the kingdom of God like a child, you don't get it. What is so great, I'm sure the disciples are thinking, about kids? And maybe you and I, I think that as well. Kids aren't that great. Kids can't dress themselves. Kids are messy. I've never had one of my children come up to me and say, Hey, Dad, you know, you and Mom could use some, you guys could use some time alone. Here's a couple bucks. We'll take care of ourselves. Go out, have a nice time. No, 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 I insist. My kids have never done that to me. You know why? They don't have anything. Anything they have, I let them have. What makes them so great? A couple things. Children understand weakness, right? It's not a foreign concept to them not to be able to do something. I'm not able to do that? Yep, kind of saw that one coming. Can't ride that ride? Yep, what else is new? Can't go when I want to go? Yep, can't have to go to bed? Yep, okay, I I understand, I'm weak. They understand also the necessity of placing their trust in someone else. Need to trust dad to not lose the house? Okay. Need to trust mom and dad to, to fix me a, a me- mom to fix me a meal? Uh, okay. I fix things, but it's cereal and omelets. That's kind of my, my whole food preparation problem. And sandwiches, as long as they're not too much on them. And, and th- like that's it. So children understand the need to trust parents, right? They, they understand the need to trust others. And so to tell a child, yeah, you can't save yourself. Yeah, got that. Yeah, you need to trust in Jesus. Yeah, of course I do. You know? There's a unique receptiveness to the, to the core truths of the gospel that a child has. And an adult who's cynical, who's intellectually arrogant, who refuses to trust anyone, has a harder time receiving the kingdom of God than a child who understands what trust is, what faith alone is. Mom and dad tell me these truths about, about God. Well, they haven't lied to me about other things in life. I, I, I guess there's some, some truth to this. And, and here's what I want you to grasp. When a child is young, we have a unique opportunity to speak spiritual truths into their lives at an age where their little hearts can respond. And woe to us as a church if we fail to be faithful in that calling. Woe to Bethany Community Church if we fail our children. Woe to Bethany Community Church if we fail to be involved in the lives of young people proclaiming to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Woe to us as parents. Woe to us as grandparents. Woe to us as single people. Woe to us as young people. Woe to us as older people. Woe to us if we fail to be faithful in that task. It would be better for us at Bethany Community Church to just call it a day, close up shop, and cease to exist than to fail our children, to fail to proclaim to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you really believe that? It would be better for us who are adults to go find a big rock outside, 
tied around ourselves and jump in the lake or jump in the pool and drown than to cause the little ones in our church to stumble. That's what Jesus says. Jesus believes that children are important and that we have an opportunity to bring children to him. You know, next week we're going to be looking, Lord willing, at the the story of the rich ruler. And this ruler asks uh, Jesus, how can he inherit eternal life? And and Jesus talks to him, and and, uh, Jesus comes to the conclusion that, that this person isn't going to have the ability in and of themselves to respond rightly to the gospel. And, and uh, you know, the disciples, again, shocking. What? what? Now, who's going to get this kingdom thing? Kids get it, rich people don't. You know what the danger is for us as a church? The danger, as we are a church that's in a affluent area, many of us are affluent, the danger is that we could produce a church full of rich young rulers instead of a church full of children who love Jesus Christ. And if we communicate to kids, my job is more important, my sense of ease is more important than children's ministry, if we communicate to children that sleeping in a little bit on Sunday morning is more important to us than the kingdom of God, we are in danger of producing a church full of rich young rulers instead of a church full of children who love the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? I don't think we're that type of church. (laughs) I think we're the type of church that loves Jesus Christ and wants children to love Jesus Christ as well. So because I believe that, let me share with you some things about how to bring children to Jesus. How to bring children to Jesus. I want to share three thoughts with you from this passage. The first thing that I think we need to consider as we think about how to bring children to Jesus is this. Number one, Number one, believe that children are a blessing, not a burden. Believe that children are a blessing, not a burden. This statement is a statement that flies in the face, not just of secular culture, but much of Christian culture as well. Let me read you Psalm 127, verse 3 and through verse verse 5. The psalmist declares, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward, not a punishment. Children aren't some sort of curse, some sort of thing to avoid. Children are a reward. They're like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. And blessed, not cursed, blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them, with children. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Children are not some sort of burden that we get saddled with, but children are a blessing. We're in Luke chapter 18, but in January of 2009, we looked at this this passage as as it's told in the Gospel of Mark, and we looked on a passage on on a Sunday that was Sanctity of Life Sunday, and we talked about being a, a, a church that welcomes children. As we did so, we talked about the early Christian church and how Christianity began in a culture that was very antagonistic toward children, who didn't believe that children were a blessing in many ways. There was a nobleman, a Roman nobleman in the first century who was riding home to his wife and he was traveling and he said to his wife, this is about 1 AD, he said, know that if I'm still in Alexandria when you are delivered, if it's a boy, keep it. 
if it's a girl, discard it. And that's how so many treated the children in that culture. Children were not viewed as something valuable all the time, but as something that, that could be discarded. And the church, the early church, became known in its culture as being a, a place that welcomed children, that was bold in its declaration that, that children are, are welcome within our walls. The church, the early church declared, uh, let the little children come. We are pro-life, therefore let the, the little unborn children come. We are uh, pro-adoption, therefore let the little orphaned children come. We're pro-compassion, therefore let the little needy children come. St. Chrysostom would write as, as he's talking about noblemen and the, the way that they abuse women by forcing them to commit abortions, he would say, I have no real name to, to give what you're doing. It does not destroy the thing born, but, but even prevents it from being born. Why do you abuse the gift of God and, and fight with his laws and follow after what is a blessing as, as if it were a curse? In the medieval church, they would place these foundling wheels in the walls of, of the church, and, and a person could come and, and th that needed a, a place for their child to, to be, and they could place their child in this, this little cylinder wheel, and, and they would place their child there, and they'd be able to turn the, the wheel and place it inside the walls of the church and, and ring the bell, and someone could come and care for that child. The church has always been a place that says, we believe that children are a blessing. We believe that it is our responsibility to care for and love kids. We value children. Let me say one other thing. I've been thinking about this as I've been thinking about the, the culture in which we're ministering to, and, and I, I want to say this very carefully, okay? So, so don't hear me say something that I'm not saying. But our church in North America exists in a culture that's changing dramatically, uh, just demographically. We're marrying later, we're waiting longer to have children, and we're having fewer children. Now, is that wrong? No, not, not necessarily. But what is wrong, and listen carefully to the part that I believe is, is of concern. What is wrong is if, if, if our motivation is that we don't believe that children are a blessing. And we as a church, we as the community of faith must say, no, we believe that children are beautiful, they're precious, and children are welcome within our walls. We love them, and we want to care for them. I was very, very encouraged this past week as we met and we talked about the, the new church building. We kind of dreamed about some things. And I, I was, I, every meeting, I, I walked away encouraged. One of the meetings, I think, though, that encouraged me the most was our, our children's ministry meeting. I believe it was the, the most highly attended meeting of any of the meetings. And I believe that's because people at Bethany Community love children. And I was encouraged not just that people were saying things like, well, you know, I want, I want my kid to have this, and, and my kid needs a, a comfortable chair, and my, you know, my little angel, this, this, and no. It was very much, how are we going to care for kids? How are we going to care for each other's kids? And, and we also live in a culture that's, that's changing demographically in, the, in terms of what a family even looks like. 
I was reading this past week, um, over a quarter of children in the United States are, are being raised in single-parent homes. And a typical senior, single parent, over 80%, are, are single moms, and a, and a high percentage of them are, are in dire financial needs. And so we as a church, as we live in this changing demographic, have the opportunity to, to think creatively about how, how to reach children who are in dire financial needs as well, how to reach families who are struggling with, with kind of being alone or feeling alone in the world. Incredible opportunity for us as a church. If we believe that children are a blessing, not a burden. How do we bring children to Jesus? Number two, second thing I want us to consider. We proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to children in, in both word and deed. We proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to children in both word and deed. And, and so, a, as a church, we're very careful to make sure that we're proclaiming the word of the gospel to children. We're communicating to children that, hey, as, as beautiful as you are, you're also a sinner. <laughs> you're also in need of a Savior. And, and Jesus Christ, who is fully God and fully man, is that Savior. You can place your faith in Him and, and, and respond to the gospel and, and be saved. That's something we're communicating as a church. And, and I can't tell you how grateful I am just as, as a parent for the people who serve my kids in children's ministries. Every Sunday, we, we get together with our kids, and we talk about what you've learned, and, and you know, I am just, I'm shocked by how much my, my kids retain of, of what you're teaching them, and I, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just so blessed, and we, we talk about what they're learning through the, the curriculum, you know, kids that are ages three years old through fifth grade are all learning the same things, that they're doing great things in the nursery and the twos and, and the, the junior, the middle school and high school. I, I'm just amazed at what the kids are learning. That sort of passion to the gospel and to children's ministry is essential if a church is going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to children. Now, you do that in a word, and you also do it in, in deed. You do it as, as individuals in the church say, you know what, it, it's my responsibility to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to kids. I, I'm going to take it upon my, myself to, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and I believe, uh, quite frankly, that maybe not 100%, but pretty, there'd be some people I'd say, you know what, you shouldn't serve in children's ministry. But pretty close to 100% of the church should be involved and in, actively, personally involved with children in, in some way. Be it nursery, be it children's church, be it children's Sunday school class, be it teaching in the high school or the middle school. Pretty close to 100% of us should have some sort of interaction with children. For those of us who are older, we have the incredible opportunity as, as grandparents, or, or maybe we are, are just, just older, we didn't have any kids, but we have the, the opportunity of having a, a lifetime of, uh, the, uh, where we've, we've served the Lord or known the Lord, and we have the opportunity to proclaim what we've known about Jesus Christ and about God and about life to young parents and, and, and to their kids and, and to, to greet them in the hall and, and, and just love on them as grandparents. 
for those of us who are kind of in between, we have the opportunity to encourage other parents. We have the opportunity to, to serve other children and to, to take our kids and, and have them involved in other children's lives and to see our responsibility to care for them. For those of you who are young, maybe you're in high school or, or college or you're, you're a single adult, and you have the opportunity to be a, a person that a, a child can, can look up to and, and know and, and feel cared for. I've been thinking about this a lot, obviously, this last week, and I was thinking about this morning when I walked in, I was kind of walking through the hallway, and I saw a little girl kind of by herself, and before I was even able to get to her, she's kind of sitting by herself, and, and one of our high school girls walked up to this little girl and just gave her a, a big hug and said, I'm so glad you're here, and, and said some nice things to her. How encouraging is that? <laughs> Each of us have the opportunity if we're committed to children and committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to children by showing it in our deeds. And again, my hope, my dream would be that everyone gets so, so excited about this opportunity. You, you walk out of here and you're, you're looking at your bullets and you're saying, how can I get involved and, and how can I, who can I communicate with and, and how quickly can I do it? If you have the heart of Christ, that's how you respond, right? He loves children. He loves to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to children. No matter how God calls you to be involved, he calls you to be caring for them, loving, uh, loving them, and mindful of them. A third thing here, lastly, as we think about how to bring children to Jesus, thirdly, we have to refuse to child-proof the church. <laughs> refuse to child-proof the church. As we think about the walls of the church, and we think about things nice and quiet and things orderly, our, our, our tendency can be to, to child-proof the church. The, the disciples wanted to child-proof Jesus. They wanted to keep him safe, and they wanted to keep things not messy. When I was a youth pastor in Dallas, we were at a small church, and we, we were right next to an apartment building. We began to have this amazing outreach to these kids in this, this, this apartment building that came from some needy homes. And they, they began to come into the church. And, and this was kind of a more conservative church. And I was really impressed with how people responded by, by loving these kids. Because you have this nice, neat, orderly church. People are dressed a certain way. People smell a certain way. And, and these kids come in. They don't smell like they're supposed to smell. They're dressed like they're supposed to smell. Uh, dress. Came in, in fact, one time we were, we we're passing the, the communion trays, right? And, and one of these kids dropped the communion tray and just let out this, this curse word right in the middle of the service, right? You know, you know, that'll kind of put the hair on your neck a little bit. <laughs> are you supposed to say that during communion? No. <laughs> but what are you going to do as, as kids come in and don't act the way that people are supposed to act? church that loves Jesus Christ will say, I, I want to love those people, I want to love those children, proclaim to them the gospel, and I'm not going to put barriers between them and Christ. We put up barriers when we're hypocrites. We put up barriers when our expectations for children are too high. We put up barriers when we're legalists. We put up barriers when we ignore children. And if you can walk down the hallway and, and not notice children, there's something deeply, deeply wrong. <laughs> And each of us have the opportunity as we interact with people to interact with children and communicate our, our love and concern for them. You know, again, this past week as I was thinking about children's ministry, I, I just spent a, a couple minutes thinking about my life in the church. And maybe some of you grew up in the church, maybe some of you didn't. But I was amazed just 
at, at thoughts that came to my mind, things I hadn't thought about in, in decades, just little flashes of, of people who I, I know, I, maybe I don't even remember their name, I can't remember their, what their face was like, but I, I just remember some, some interaction I had with them in the church. I can remember being like a pre-K kid and a, a, a teacher sitting down with me and like coloring a, a sheet together. I, I had this, this memory of a, of a person coming into children's church, and it wasn't even the person who normally taught children's church. They just sat down with me, and they, they just talked to me, and they, then they did like a little magic trick. They took a quarter, and they rubbed it. I thought they rubbed it into their arm, you know, and I, I, I felt bad about this guy for weeks. This, this man had put a quarter in his arm just to amuse me, and, and uh, you know, I, I just... I, I still think about that guy. That guy never came back to children's church as far as I know, but he, one Sunday he filled in and, and, and made children's church enjoyable for me. I have no idea what Bible verse they taught on. I, I can remember a third grade Sunday, one of my two years in third grade, uh, I can remember a third grade Sunday school teacher uh, having us all color these race cars, draw these little race cars and put them on the wall and then as we memorized Bible verses, our race cars raced around the room. I, that was cool to me as a third grader. I can remember that. I can remember being a, a sixth grader and the sixth grade Sunday school teacher giving me a Bible that, that just changed my life. I, I can remember uh, talking to youth leaders in middle school just for half an hour. People that just subbed in one time. I can remember a half hour conversation with this guy or this guy and, and just how influential that was. I still think about some of those conversations. I can remember my junior high youth pastor, Rich Burkle, who eventually became the, the senior pastor at Bethany Baptist and, and his ministry in my life. My, my point is this. These people throughout my life, and I, could get, you know, I, I thought of tons more just even as I was talking now. They didn't like, you know, I don't remember all their names. I, I remember very few of their names actually. But they invested in me just a little bit, and that cumulative effect was vital to me in my spiritual health. And I'm confident that you could say the same, many of you could say the same. Those people loved Jesus Christ, and because they loved Jesus Christ, they loved me as a child, or they loved you. A child is so receptive to spiritual truth. And if we as a church can proclaim the kingdom of God to children, imagine how their lives can be a testament to the glory of God. The danger for you, the danger for me, is that we begin to think of children as our future ministry. Right now, we're going to minister to the parents, and here's a couple things we'll do for kids so that the parents will come. God says, to, to these belong the kingdom of God. There are things about a child that make them uniquely receptive to the good news of Jesus Christ. And if you love Jesus Christ, you're going to love children and be excited about the opportunity to proclaim to them the kingdom of God. Of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity you've given our church. Help us to be faithful and obedient to follow through with the, the ministry you've called us to. We pray for our children. Please help their hearts to be soft toward you, to, to hate sin, and to love your son Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen.